Hello, and welcome back to episode Ivan Chernik of the Cosper Pointcast. I'm your host, Colin Cudmore, and we're right back with another episode of Draft Debaters. If you missed the first episode, Wary Fisher and Steve Cornianos joined the show to debate their most differently ranked prospects, and today I'm joined by two more fantastic guests for episode two. So, on my left, you can find him posting in-depth scouting videos and live streams to his YouTube channel, Scouching. Welcome to the show, Will Scouch. How's it going? Hello, everyone. I'm, gl- I'm very glad to be here today. Awesome. Well, glad you could join us today. And on my right, you can read his data-driven prospect profiles on the brand new Next Gen Hockey website. Welcome to the show, Ryan Beach. Ryan, how's it going? I'm good. Thanks for having me on. I think that this will be a pretty, uh, you know, not too debatable episode. I think Will and I are, uh, you know, we're too nice. Yeah, for <laughs> oh, sure. I'm, th- I'm throwing down the gauntlet. I can't <laughs> hot. Yeah, it's, it's great to have you both on today. So I actually just subscribed to Next Gen Hockey last week, and I believe they have a sale going on right now, too. So uh, definitely check that out. Yeah, so today's episode is going to be a bit different from the first because uh, neither Will nor Ryan have released any rankings yet, but you're both very analytically inclined, as you mentioned, so it's it's hard to find prospects where you have very different opinions, but we still value ex- your expertise, and I've chosen four prospects that I think will at least generate some good discussion. So the first of those four is Bobby Brink, and from what I've read from both of you, this might be uh, just a bit of a love fest. So Brink is a right winger who plays for Sioux City in the USHL and was named the league's best forward at 17 years old. Uh, he shortened stature at five foot eight, but uh, a very highly skilled player. So uh, again, I have my list of consolidated rankings in front of me right now, and Brink is ranked around 17th. So uh, before we start, I just also want to mention that I uh, took Brink for this uh, Ottawa Senators yesterday in SB Nation's mock draft. So I think it's fair to say that all three of us are pretty big Brink fans. So let's start with Will. Uh, what is it that makes Brink such an intriguing prospect? Honestly, a couple of things. The biggest thing to me that sticks out more and more the longer uh, I've looked at him is a year ago, he was really not on very many people's radars, especially not as a first-round guy. Uh, And in a year, I mean, he just absolutely exploded. I mean, no one really thought that he was going to have as good a year as he did. Um, When he was injured for a large part of this year, well, not a large part, but about 20 games, uh, he, his team scored about 50% fewer goals per game, which is insane. Uh, and he was pretty much the only notable name, not on the roster. Uh, you know, I think that the other thing is he does so much really, really well that the one thing he doesn't do well, which is to me skating, uh, the, the one thing he doesn't do well, if that can become, you know, if that can take maybe two steps in a better direction, then I think he could be one of the more electrifying scoring forwards to come out of the whole draft this year. I mean, the way he plays, the way he can be creative offensively, he he just does pretty much everything but skate really well. And I think that there's a lot of lost value when you look at where people are ranking him. Yeah, so as, as you mentioned, it's skating that's definitely his biggest weakness. So uh, over to you, Ryan. Do you think those concerns are at all, are at all overstated or do you think they're, they're still justified? Uh, no, I, I think that they are justified to most degree. Um, I think his skating is not perfect, but I think it's still technically um, okay. I think that if there's, you know, if there is an area to improve in, that will be it, and I think he can do so. Um, but yeah, I, as Will kind of alluded to or suggested, that he just did so many things for um, Sioux City that you know it's hard to kind of overlook it. Um, his involvement rate was through the roof. His um, his goal for percentage and goal for relative was through the roof, um, and he just kind of seemed to always make things happen when it was on the ice. Um, you know, there you know I quibble with little things about his game. You know, in terms of sometimes there, it appeared he wasn't fully engaged, but then all of a sudden the puck would come to him and he'd rip it past the goalie and you're like, yeah, whatever, it doesn't matter. Um, so, yeah, I, I think all he has, you know, 
75% of the toolbox is really, really good. And then there's 25% where you kind of have some quibbles, but I, I think they're all relatively fixable. So I, I, there's, you know, it's right why he's climbed up so, um, so quickly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and Brick is definitely an analytic starling, that's for sure. And you both dug deep into that in both your work. So, um, the one number that really sticks out to me, though, is his 28% shooting percentage. So, of course, part of that has to do with his fantastic shooting ability and just his ability to get into open areas. But if that were to happen in the NHL, like we'd immediately be pointing to that as, as a sign he'll be regressing next season. So, uh, is, is over to Will again. Is that an exception, do you think, or should we be more cautious? Uh, I think in his case, you know, I, I, I directly watched, I think, seven of his games this year and then off and on watched a few more. Uh, and I watched him at the, you know, international tournaments he played in. I think he has a really, really good shot, but I think where that shot percentage comes from is the, the variety through which he can score, score goals. I mean, I personally don't think that in the NHL, he's going to be as good a goal scorer as he was this year. I think his creativity and his playmaking is kind of where he stands out to me, especially as a winger. Uh, so I think that it, a little bit, there's the shot percentage over inflation that might have pushed him a bit higher. Um, but he did bring a lot of different ways of scoring goals, which a lot of guys at his age sometimes don't always have. So he can kind of find the best way to score goals. And the one thing I think where a lot of his goals did come from is just his hands when he's really in tight. Like he has that ability to just move the puck where the goaltender isn't and just tuck it in the net. I mean, I saw him do that a few times and you don't see that level of just raw skill out of a lot of guys. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so I think it's really interesting. He has really good mobility, not in a straight line as well. I've noticed that when he's turning, he generates a lot of speed that way, or at least his first steps are really quick. So in the offensive zone, I mean, he can grab that puck and just turn and fire and put a lot behind it. And next thing you know, it's in the back of the net. Yeah, for sure. And so I guess now that we've established Brink as, uh, as an exciting prospect, so uh, Ryan, where would you, where would be the earliest you'd be comfortable taking him in the draft? And did I mess up at taking him at 19 yesterday? No, I, I think 19 is a pretty reasonable place. That's probably where I would have him ranked as kind of in that range of just outside of the 15 to 25. Um, myself, you know, I kind of view the class as being a pretty concrete top 14. And then after that, it's pretty wide open from there. And the players, you know, not to say that the players aren't, um, you know, aren't good or anything like that. But I think that once we get to 15, 16, 17 onwards, you, you have all these players that would be justifiable at those spots. And, and Bobby Brink is one of them. And, and to kind of add to that shooting percentage point is, it, you know, I don't have the numbers in front of me right now, but if I recall, it's pretty common for um, these goal scoring snipers to come out of the USA, USHL to have super inflated shooting percentages. Um, and then the ones that are successful yet yeah, at the later levels learn to, you know, continue that by getting more shot volume as they go up the higher ring. So that's kind of what you'd want to look for Bobby Brink um, going forward next year and the year after is to increase his shot volume to kind of mitigate that uh, inevitable drop as he rises up in the quality of uh, competition. The one other concern that I have with Brink, just a very minor quibble, is that just because he's going back to the USHL next season uh, before starting at the University of Denver, which, I mean, he has nothing left to prove in the, in the USHL just because he's um, scored so many goals this year. So um, uh, back to uh, back to Will, uh, do you think this should be taken into account at the draft table at all, or is it just very minor? I honestly don't really know too much about the ins and outs about how college commitments specifically work. I think it was more that uh, I, I think it's more that no one really expected him to have the explosion that he did. Uh, I imagine there's some sort of family advisor, quasi agent situation. 
I agree. I don't think he should be going back to Sioux City. I mean, I think his skating alone is, and it needs enough work where he's going to need to be getting a lot of ice time. And the, the last thing you want is to draft him in the first round, have him go immediately into college and just not be able to keep up. Uh, I, I don't think that's going to be that big of an issue, at least not for a very long time. So maybe you could make the, the the logical argument where you could say, okay, we know you have all these tools. We know you're as good as you are, but you'll need to go back and focus on just getting that skill. And even if he goes back and plays, you know, however many games go, you know, however many games it'll be, and he's like a hundred and something point guy in the USHL and goes to the world juniors and, and, you know, I I personally don't really think it matters too much so long as the reason he's still there is so that he can get that skating ability in a, you know, in that speed up to where it really needs to be for him to be a a high level NCAA player. And later on a higher level NHL player. I I don't think it's super worrisome considering how many moving parts there's going to be in making the right decision for him. So, uh, but it, it is a curious decision. All right. Well, awesome. I think it's just time we move on to the second prospect we'll be discussing today, and that's uh, Samuel Poulin. And I know he's not a prospect that either of you have covered quite in depth so far, but I still think he's someone worth discussing. So my consolidated rankings have him ranked around 28th, so there's a possibility the Suns could jump on him at pick 19 or 32 if he's still available. But just a bit about him, he's a 6'2 winger uh, playing for the Sherbrooke Phoenix, where he scored 76 points in 67 games. So uh, some stats from the invaluable prospectstats.com. He also ranked uh, 20th in the queue for expected goals per 60 minutes. Uh, I think he had 1.04 and had a relative goals for percentage of plus 12.8%. So uh, let's start with Ryan on this one. From what I've seen, his stats have seemed pretty impressive. So would you agree with the assessment that Poulet should be a first round prospect? Uh, for me, he's, he's kind of just outside of that first round. Um, I think that, you know, if you're speaking specifically for the Senators, that maybe that the 32nd, that's the, the target that you might go for just because, you know, he is a bit of a flawed player too. Um, I, I, you know, we talked about bring skating being an issue and I think Poulin has the same kind of idea. Like he's not horrific, but his straight line speed and acceleration is a, leaves a little bit to be desired there. Um, and, you know, to be effective at the next level, I think that he's going to need to improve that. But, you know, statistically, there are quite a few things that kind of do jump out about his game, you know, um, using the the seal, which is the seal or sorry, the situational era uh, age and league adjusted points. Um, he ranked in the top 15, um, you know, with surrounded by some pretty intriguing players like Cousins and Tracy and Doc. So, you know, to you don't want to kind of dismiss that just because you're looking at the flaws, but I do think he's kind of just, just outside of that bubble um, in terms of being a first round talent. Mm-hmm, totally. And, and one thing I read about Poulain is that he's also one of the most physically mature players in his draft class, which has also sort of heralded him as one of the quote unquote safe choices. So of course the sense took last year's most physically mature player in Brady Kachuk's, which has turned out pretty nicely for us. But uh, going back to Will, how much do you take into account um, that physical mature aspect when evaluating prospects? Um, it it kind of matters. I mean, I I have a background in sports science and kinesiology, like on an academic research level, and the amount of trainability that you can get out of most young people is really really remarkable. And the amount of progress, even since I started going to university almost a decade ago over a decade ago oh my goodness uh the 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 amount of progress in that field has really really come a long way at a ton of different levels um i think that it is nice to see a player that is so mature but i don't put too much into it like a lot of these guys are 
at least one year away from NHL ice time. You know, guys like Poulin, probably more like two or three, uh, again, at least. Uh, and in that period of time, you can really put in a lot of work in the weight room and a lot of work on the ice to sort of build up that that physical maturity. But it is really nice to see in a, in a young player. And with Poulin, I've seen more and more of him as the year went on. I was turned on to him by some people to say, hey, you should check this guy out in Quebec. You know, uh, him being a winger kind of naturally probably pushes him down a few draft boards in the NHL. Mm-hmm. But no matter which way I slice the numbers that I see out of him, he does a really, really good job. I mean, he really drove a ton of offense on a not so great Sherbrooke team. You know, he really strikes me as a guy who's really set up to just dominate the Quebec League for the next year or two um i think he's a really nice playmaker uh i I think his vision and creativity in the offensive end is kind of where he shines there's some defensive stuff that i think could use some work he does shoot the puck a lot um you know he's more of a volume guy from my from my measurements uh so we'll see where that takes him i think i i have him higher than most i have him in my in my top 20 just because of the interesting things that i've seen out of him especially at the at the under 18 on a canadian team that didn't really impress me a whole lot um so i think that long term he's an interesting project that someone might swing on um, but I could also see him being maybe more of a higher floor, low ceiling type of guy. Yeah, I guess just talking to about the data, uh, going back to that for a second, one thing I noticed with Putin, I, I was looking at some of his track data, and I think you alluded to this a bit, Will, but uh, he actually grades pretty well for his pre-shot movement. So I, for someone who's generally considered more of a shooter, uh, I just found that a bit surprising considering uh, um, what he's uh, normally considered as. But um just, uh, just moving to a, like a broader discussion for a second, you both use a lot of stats in your analysis. Uh, so from seal to involvement percentage to uh, the tracking data, uh, how do you bring all this data together to make a cohesive evaluation? So uh, let's start with Ryan, and Will, uh, you can answer after. I, I don't know if we'll have enough, t- enough time to get through it all. Um, <laughs> yeah, it, it, can, it can be tough, right? Because, um, you know, it's, uh, it's adding it onto the pile of, um, you know, players of viewing them whether that's video or live as well and then trying to combine this stuff and you know a lot of the times is that uh and part and sorry part of the reason why i generally don't have a list out is because at this point it's now you know all the data has finally come out and kind of trying to go through it and then you know digging deeper into each one of these players and then suddenly players that i i may have been a little bit more uh, shy on their their stock rises or or vice versa, just because the data you know paints a picture and then you go back and things like that. So, you know, for me, it's a lot of um, you know checking and self checking and rechecking and going back and then trying to eliminate any sort of biases that we have. And I think that you know for Poulin specifically, that's kind of the thing is that I generally kind of avoid players like Poulin that early because he's a project and and I I feel that there's other players that have. Uh, you know, things that I like in attributes in games, but, you know, if someone like Will was sitting at the table and felt that Poulin was, you know, had all these things, and that's kind of the other part of the aspect that uh, would be added in there, and he could see his, um, you know, his, his name rise up a, a, a draft list from there. So it's, yeah, it's a complicated process that um, can, you know, it varies, and it can, it's really interesting to see how your, your um, perception on players change, um, particularly at this point in time. Yeah, and, and I know that, Will, you're also very into... Um, using data to make these informed decisions. So, um, I don't know, do, I, I, do you approach in a similar way, or, or do you have any differences, like sort of. specifically? Sort of. I think. I think it, what what I love so much about analyzing the draft and and the different players that come out of it is so much of it to me, especially in the first round, depends on fit. Uh, you know, 
what type of hockey do you want to see out of the team you're putting on the ice? And, you know, it's kind of why I don't like the idea of directly ordering draft rankings in numerical order, because who's to say that the player that's at 18 for your team specifically, for your development staff, for your management team is going to be a better player for you than the guy at, say, 20 two or or whatever uh it's it's really really nuanced i i know that teams make their draft boards and they do it in more of a numerical order which totally makes sense but from an outsider's perspective i kind of think about it more uh, as as opposed to like what kind of a hockey player do i consider just a generally good hockey player and what can i what can you get out of the talent that you see on the ice so uh it's kind of complicated. And I think the reason I dig into so much data is because it really, really helps you build a profile of what that player is. You know, you can say everything you can possibly say about what you see with your eyes, but I've had countless people tell me, what do you think about this player? What about this player? What about this defensive defenseman? And you look into the numbers and you go, this guy, this defensive defenseman is not great defensively and they don't offer much offensively. And they end up going in the third round or something. And you're going, well, there's a lot more there that you could have gone for. Um, and you just, it just doesn't feel like they really get what they're getting when they draft the player. So that's kind of my goal. Um, really just building an idea of what a player does on the ice from a from a real empirical standpoint. Yeah, just to add kind of what Will said there, that last point is that's always my favorite thing is that when you hear players have a profile or typecast as a certain way and you dig into the data and you're like, yeah, that's not kind of what it is. That's always my favorite thing to see. Um, you know, I just did a, pro, uh, a profile on Judd Caulfield and, and same kind of idea mm-hmm. is that he's being typecast as this big hulking bruising winger that lacks skill Mm -hmm. and you know i've seen flashes of him as a player where i'm like oh there's maybe more here and then you know they pull into the data and he's you know he's not you know he's not a leader on that team but it's not anything to be concerned about and and then it comes down to philosophy in the fourth fifth sixth seventh round are you going to want to take a high-end small winger or whatever or maybe you want to go with a safe fit for a bottom six guy and then judd caulfield you know jumps out to the front of the line as being a reasonably safe bet at um if you're looking for a bottom six winger who's going to be physical kind of thing right Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah and and totally i mean dealing with this data as you guys do is a very nuanced thing um but i think it's it's about time we venture on to a second round territory so the next prospect i want to talk about is albin grieve so grieve spent this past season in the super elite league in sweden uh, scoring 34 goals or 34 points in 25 games as primarily a center, uh, his average ranking is around 36. Although I know you guys are both very high on Grieve, so uh, let's start with Ryan. Uh, I know you've already written your scouting report on Grieve, but what is it that makes him uh, a good prospect? Uh, he's just a lot of fun. I think that's the best way I like to describe him. And he's just a yes. See, like he he kind of just does everything. He's a physical player. He's a skilled player. He makes people around him better. I like his shot. I like his um, tenacity. Like there's so many things to like about his game. And then I think he's you know pretty good defensively as well. So um, you know he, he kind of loops back to a bias. I, I I will defend him to the ends of the earth. I've seen people ranked him outside of the second round, and I I physical I actually got upset about it because I was like, no, this guy is my guy. But uh, yeah, um, he's just a player that I really like. And I think that he kind of fits what I would build out of a middle six forward um, who has versatility to move up and down anywhere in that in that group. Yeah. So at the draft combine, he compared himself to Brad Marchand. So uh, back to Will, do you think that's a fair assessment or a fair comparison? You know, yeah, I I do. I think I've seen 
Grova play off and on all year. Uh, I've, I was going into watching him expecting a physical bruising sort of just defensive guy, especially when you look at his numbers when he played against men in, in the Swedish pro league. But when I really started to watch, especially at his international tournaments, uh, and then the more I dug into the under 20 junior league in Sweden, um, you know, part of me looks at his numbers in the junior league in Sweden and says, okay, he's just going out there and bulldozing through guys and, and generating a lot of points just off of his power game. And it works. Um, it's a question of, it's, is that going to translate to the, to the next level? But then I looked more and I see a really nice skilled game out of him. Like he, he does have a lot of strength and a lot of power and he'll come at you real hard all night long. Uh, phrasing but uh he will also uh, just just dangle he can, he can dangle around you with ease and uh i did a really rough calculation because the swedish stats websites aren't particularly great um but he had points on about 80 percent of goals scored on the ice at even strength which is really really high wow. for a forward uh you know among like i think bobby brink was 80 above 80 percent as well at even strength um, so when, you know, it's not like he's just a guy who's on the ice trying to kill everyone. Uh, and neither is Brad Marchand, you know, he's out there antagonizing guys, but at the same time, he's a fantastic hockey player. I think if Greva's skating and agility can take a step, uh, you know, the hands are there, the physicality is there, that psychological side is there. I think the com- comparison is apt, uh, and he produces a ton of points. So I think the formula is, is there. Things might have to go right, but, but I did not. I, I was really happy that that's actually the specific name he brought up. Yeah, so, I mean, you mentioned the skating and agility for a second. Is, um, is that what's preventing him from being a first-round prospect, or do you think he could go there? No, I think he's a first. I, th- I, I have him in my first round. I think that you can, I, I think that you need some, you know, not a ton of them, but you need a player on your team that can play hockey, number one, but also has that, you know, I'm going to get you kind of mindset, right? Like as long as he can keep his head on straight and stay out of the box and instead draw other people to going into the box, you know, that's what you want to see out of him, especially with how he plays the game. You know, I don't want him out there trying to take guys' heads off all night. I don't. I, I want him playing hard, hard on pucks, letting guys come at him, uh, and, and not really backing down from it and giving, you know, sort of a rallying point for the rest of the team to look at and go, I, you know, that's a guy, maybe I have some better skills or better talents than him, but he really exemplifies a guy I would go to, go to battle for basically. I mean, there is value to that. And I think that he also can play hockey, which is a benefit. So I think first round is not out of the realm of possibility, but if you can land him in the second round like that, that's a, to me, a no brainer. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, th- I think it's no surprise that we're all very high on, on grief at this point. So uh, uh, just to give Ryan the last word, anything else you want to add? No, I, I think Will touched on kind of all the good points there. And I think that, you know, there's really, if you're looking at a super elite production, there really wasn't any red flags. Like he was heavily involved in the offense. Like he said, his goals for percentage while on the ice was really high, even the relative. Um, even when looking at, you know, the expected success based on that production, it's extremely high and among t- some of the top of this draft class. And, you know, he didn't produce any points in the SHL and he was kind of relegated to a minor role. But, you know, he held his own as a basically a 17 year old. And that's always an encouraging sign. So uh, I think, as as Will said, the flaw is maybe his agility. But I, I've seen signs myself where I think that he can get 
there. It's just a matter of doing it on a consistent basis. So, you know, trying to avoid the bias towards him, I definitely think, as he said, he's a first-round talent for me. Um, if he's sitting there in the second round and he's there at 40th overall for the Canucks, I would be extremely ecstatic. So if anyone prevents that, I'm going to be pretty upset. <laughs> awesome. So th- the final prospect I want to touch on today is Caden Korzak, who's a right-shot defenseman whose average ranking is around uh, 54th overall, although I could definitely see him as uh, being someone the Sens could jump on earlier just because of their thinness on the right side. So uh, he, sp- he spent this past season playing for the WHL's Kelowna Rockets and is regarded as one of the draft class's best defensive defensemen because so, he played a boatload of minutes as the Rockets' number one defenseman. So uh, for Will, what's your read on Korzak? Is he a player you'd take a chance on early in the second round? I... I'm, I appear to be cooler on Korzak than most people. Uh, there's a few, uh, some, it, it's, it goes back to that discussion we were having about when the numbers don't really line up with the perception mm. people were saying, people are saying, oh, he's a, he's a offensive or a defensive defenseman. But when I look, uh, you know, Kelowna was very much a one line team from my yeah. tracking, you know, they, the guys like Nolan foot, uh, Kyle Topping, Lossie Thompson, uh, and uh, there's another name on that on that line. I'm forgetting, but Ooh, uh, they, they uh, basically Leaf, Leaf Matson, right? Um, they basically ran that team, and of those five players, uh, Korzak, relative to when he wasn't on the ice at even strength, allowed the most goals against per 60 minutes on the ice. So at the same time, though, he did do a really good job involving himself offensively. Uh, Usually for defensemen at even strength, I consider a benchmark of getting a goal or a primary assist on 25% of goals is about average. Above 30% is really notable. And he was at 32. Uh, You know, guys like Lotsie Thompson were up there as well. uh, And and he's no, no slouch. So I think Korzak is a fine pick in the later second round. I think there's a lot of other defensemen that I'm really, really intrigued by outside of North America that I think in the second round you could look at. Guys like Antti Tuomisto, uh, Zach Jones, even someone like Dominic Fensori, uh, Artemi Niazev. There's a few names that just really, really interest me for real high upside. Um, Korzak, I, I, going back to the under-18 not super thrilled with how that whole team played uh, and Korzak didn't really stand out to me. He was a guy I did have my eye on, uh, but you know, the, the offensive profile is there. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see where his career goes. Yeah, for sure. And, and for Ryan, you've written your profile in Korzak already and, and you've run the numbers. So uh, do you think the lack of offensive upside should be a concern at all for his development? Cause uh, yeah. No, I don't think so. I think his, his shot is pretty bad, if I'm going to be honest with you. I think that's more an attribute of his game that he can work on. I think that um, if he can do that, he, he might be able to be more of an offensive defenseman. Um, I, I like his hockey sense. I like his ability to move the puck. Um, and I like, you know, I do like that he is right-handed, and I know you don't want to try to kind of fixate on that, but that is, an you know, a, a tick in the right sense for me um, that, you know, it, we'll see his stock rise. I'm not super high on him in the overall. I do think that, you know, as, as Will said, Kelowna was a one-line team. Um, uh, they were really heavily leaning on those three, and when those three weren't on the ice, then they were pretty bad, and, and when Korzak was on the ice without them, it was pretty bad as well. So uh, I do think that Korzak has more to give offensively, um, um, and I think that he can take those steps forward, um, given that Kelowna is going to be hosting the Memorial Cup next year. They have already made a big trade to add some more depth 
with the Thunderbirds. So that uh, that leads me to be encouraged that he can take another step forward, um, depending on where he slots in there. He'd probably still be the number one guy, but it, just giving it more depth throughout the lineup will be good for them. So, yeah, I, I, I can make a case for quite a few defensemen ahead of him. But, I, you know, whenever I've seen Korzak, whether that's live or on video, I've never walked away from the game disappointed in his production or dis- sorry, disappointed in his play. It's generally been like, OK, he's been, you know, he was good. He makes a lot of smart plays. He didn't exactly push the needle, but there was, you know, there was things to like about the game. And that's a, a good thing. You know, he, he didn't do too much. He didn't get himself into situations where he was going to be you know, putting himself into situations where he couldn't get out of, which is a, a good thing to have from a, a you know, kind of a two-way defenseman who you know has some offense and some defensive side to his games yeah so so the last question is kind of general and i touched on this a bit in uh episode one but uh, how do you guys decide how to weight offensive and defensive aspects of a player in their draft year like do you think defense is more of a like a learned aspect of the game than offense or or a defensive player is like korzak uh elevated in value because of uh their i mean their their, their defensive acumen i mean I, I use that kind of loosely just because he's has that pedigree. So uh, I don't know. Let's go back to Will on this one. Uh, I was actually having a discussion with someone uh, on Twitter today about that. I, I think, again, it goes back to what do you want to see out of your team? Uh, I, I Some people say the best offense is a good defense. And I think in the NHL, with the by the nature that hockey is played, I just don't think that that's true. I think that the hardest thing to do is score goals. Uh, and if you can, you know, if you have defensemen who are competent defensively, but are, they excel offensively, it not only helps the, the, it helps the player score points, but it also helps the rest of that lineup generate offense as a whole, generate chances for, um, so I think the, that when you weigh things, you know, if you're drafting guys who you're going in and thinking, okay, this is a guy that we just want to go in and, and, and eat minutes, you know, put them on the ice and just eat minutes so that our better guys can, can refuel. Uh, I understand that point of view, but at the same time, I look at it and go, well, then you're kind of, you're kind of relinquishing the offense to the other team when that player's on the ice in a small way. You're, you're saying this player can't, we, we're not expecting him to be a huge contributor offensively. Uh, so what happens when the team does have the puck? Does that player just play the role of getting the puck back all the time? Well, then you're not playing with the puck. And so there's a lot of things that kind of go into it. I think that if you draft defensemen, for example, with a lot of mobility, really good skill, you know, Ryan Johnson is a great example of a guy who I think could be a fantastic defensive defenseman one day. He's not the biggest guy, but what he does really well is break up breakouts in transition. He can break up a cycle in his own end, Um, you know, doesn't have the flashiest set of feet on him, but his stick skill is really great. So he can sort of defuse pressure. Um, You know, he's almost like a release valve when he's on the ice, you know, you under high pressure situations, he can escape that pressure, calm things down and get the puck going back in the, up the ice. And his points come from that. So, you know, I think that you have to weigh a lot of different factors. Um, but to me, I look at offense and go, okay, well through that offense, you can also find a variety of defense. So again, it depends on how you want your team to play hockey, but that's kind of just how I see it. Yeah. So anything to add Ryan on the offense defense balance? Uh, no, I, I'm definitely a firm believer in the best uh, defense is a good offense because you want to have that puck 200 feet away from your net. So, um, you know, generally I, I, I stay away from uh, defensive prospects or defensive forwards in the sense that, 
if they're not able to produce at the junior levels, what's there to suggest that they're going to be able to produce at the NHL level? And then, you know, you're going to be creating black holes of offense to just eat up minutes. And that's not the way I would want to build my team. I want to have, you know, I'd want to have a team that is going to keep the puck out of our zone as much as humanly possible in order to avoid putting pressure on their, you know, the defensive side of the game. So, uh, yeah, and then loop back to Korzak is that that's kind of the, the that's kind of the stop of where I would go in terms of a defensive defenseman is that he is labeled as such, um, and you know, but he does have some create some offense and, and can transition the puck well, so that's where I would go. But if you're going further down the defensive line, and I'll say someone like uh, Alex Vlasic for an example, yeah. um, that's going too far down the line is because he has no he has little to no hockey sense and he is a defensive defenseman and then now you're just taking him because he has size, right? So that's kind of my mentality behind it and I, I do feel the NHL is trending in that direction and I hope it continues because that's going to be the way to be the most effective in my opinion. Awesome. So I got one more question for both of you. Um, but is there any late round prospect that you just really need to give a shout out to? Someone that you think is really worth taking a risk on in the later rounds? Uh, let let uh, Ryan start with this one. Oh boy. Uh, okay. Uh, I've, I've obviously focused quite a bit on the West. So um, those are generally the names that kind of jump to the front of the line for me. Um, I think that Adam Beckman with the Spokane Chiefs is a player that I've, mm-hmm. I've really been high on seeing a stock rise. Uh, Giovanni Fairbrother uh, is a defenseman that I've uh, gotten pretty high on. I think he had a really good second half and I think he's someone that people should keep an eye on. Um, an underrated defenseman with the U.S. program. Um, obviously, everyone's on the Fensori bandwagon because uh, that's what our a- analytics people do. We get on the smallest guy's wagon and get excited about him. But uh, Henry, Henry, being a little bit more realistic is Henry Thrun is the guy that kind of jumps out to the front where I think he's being undervalued. And then uh, lastly is uh, Michael Gildon, um, is uh, the, that depth forward for me of the U.S. program that jumped at the top of the line and all the underlying numbers in terms of um, success rates and seal or put him kind of at the top of the class at that second tier of us forwards and i think that he's going to present some pretty good value awesome same question to you will any late round prospects that you just really need to shout out right uh, now there's quite a few uh one that jumps out to me is rhett pitlick who you know on his high school team in minnesota uh he he was basically the one-two punch with Mike Kester, who is a defensive prospect. I came away, every time I watched Kester play, really, really underwhelmed. I don't think there's a tremendous uh, amount of upside there, even though on paper he was absolutely ridiculous in Minnesota and was nominated for Mr. Hockey and all that stuff. But I always came away way more impressed with Rhett Pitlick, who's a winger. Um, not the biggest dude in the world, but he's incredibly fast, incredibly dangerous in the offensive zone. You know, he played on a, when he went back to the USHL, the Omaha Lancers, I always found the Lancers to be a much more physical, rough and tumble team that really relied on grinding teams down, which really to me doesn't suit Rhett Pitlick's game, but he still managed to score at a pretty good pace uh, with another uh, Minnesota hockey standout with Bryce Brodzinski. So Rhett Pitlick is one of them. Uh, Jaden Struble's another one. He's a prep school defenseman, you know, right-hand shot, I believe. Uh, I've seen a bit of him, you know, 40 points in 28 games. He involved himself in over 30% of team goals, which for, you know, a a defenseman is, is crazy good and his combine was great. So he might go a little higher than I would expect. Uh, because I find it really hard to judge prep school guys, but he he stood out in the viewings I saw of him. So it's going to be interesting to see how he uh, he grows. Uh, another one I really like to watch is Levi Altonen, who is a, a winger from Finland. Another one of these smaller guys, really similar profile to Rhett Pitlick, 
just a ton of speed, uh, really dangerous, you know, great scoring player from a Finnish junior league that really, I think, is one of the more undervalued leagues globally. I mean, he was up near 37% involvement on his team. Um, and at the under 18s, you know, I, I came away really impressed. You know, he really reminded me, and this might be just me being in Toronto, but he really reminded me of a Kasperi Kapanen where you see the tools, right? He's got the speed, the skill, it's all there. It's just you don't like seeing him use that speed and skill to get into the offensive zone and then just stop up in the faceoff dot and see what happens from there. You know, I'd rather see him be more of an attacking forward, use his speed to his advantage and just keep, you know, flying around in the offensive zone to make a play that way. So if he can figure that out, there could be something really special. Um, but, you know, the, the raw tools are certainly there. there. I think this draft for, for this year is really unique in the sense that there's a lot of different types of skills that should be available all over the draft uh, that, that might have a lot of hidden value. Um, you know, the range from 20 to 50 is a, is a total blender to me. And beyond that, there's plenty of guys you can look at and go, I'm taking this guy because I like him. You know, I wouldn't be surprised to see someone like Matthias Norlander, an older defenseman who was invited to the combine, who was completely not on anyone's radar preseason to go third, fourth round, which, you know, doesn't sound too remarkable, but considering where he was in the grand scheme of things, you know, five months ago, that's completely ridiculous sounding, but you know, here we are, if you like him, you like him. Awesome. Well, I think that's a good place to wrap it up. So uh, the listeners need to know where to find your amazing work. So uh, now's the time to plug it. Uh, Will, do you want to start? Sure. So you can follow me on Twitter, uh, certainly active there at uh, twitter.com slash scouching. Um, you can also find me on YouTube to watch really detailed prospect analysis in video form uh, at youtube.com slash scouching. If you want to finance the project, I have an avenue to do that as well. Uh, Patreon.com slash scouching where you get access to um, some spreadsheets that are live updated for hundreds and hundreds of prospects from around the world, uh, as well as plenty of other stuff. I will not bore you with the details. You'll have to go check it out yourself. Uh, outside of that, you know, I guess that covers pretty much everything from me. Awesome. Uh, so any plugs, Ryan? Uh, yeah, I guess I got a couple. Uh, I'm not as active on Twitter. I usually try to stay off of it. But uh, yeah, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm at Ryan Beach, B-I-E-C-H. Um, I, I found that I get into arguments then last multiple hours and then I get nothing done in the day. So I, I try to avoid it. True. True. <laughs> but uh, as, as, as you mentioned there, Colin, is that uh, I have nextgenhockey.ca. Um, it's a project of myself, uh, Jeremy Davis, and then a few other contributors here in Vancouver, including Harmon Dial, Jackson McDonald, um, Kat Silverman, and Cam Robinson is that we're doing uh, profiles that were um, in-depth that include, you know, scouting reports and all the available stats that we have available. Um, so that's been, uh, you know, the reception has been extremely positive to that. And then as well as you can find me on the Athletic Vancouver Canucks Army uh, Elite Prospects and then uh, Sportsnet 650 here in Vancouver. I'm on there uh, an hour a week on Thursday mornings. Awesome. Well, thanks again for joining the podcast and keep, the, keep up the awesome work. Yeah, it was it was great. I will, I will just before we close, I will second Next Gen Hockey. I have greatly enjoyed uh, the work that you guys are putting out. So uh, anyone who wants a second opinion, I will give a happy one. Definitely give that website a look. Thanks. I appreciate that. It's been a, a lot of work. <laughs> yeah, I can tell. <laughs> As I wrap it up, a reminder that you can find the Cosper podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, and Stitcher. And if you really enjoyed the podcast, you can rate and review it on those platforms as well. You can find me on Twitter at CudmoreCullen and the podcast on Twitter at CPPointCast, where we'll notify you of future episodes. That's all for today, folks. Adios. Adios.